Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, what's up? Oh, what's up? Let's see. Um, we're really at peak foliage here. It'll end probably in another week, and we'll have no leaves on the trees, but it's very pretty here in New England. So I've been enjoying that, um, which is nice as we edit, head into the end of this month. Kind of like soaking it in before winter happens, which I'm not looking forward to. So, but beyond that, I don't know, not too much. How about you? Yeah. Been busy. You know, we're, we're both writing reports and. Oh, well, there's that part of my life. Doing. Yeah. Uh, getting ready for next year. And I think since the last time we talked, we had big news here with uh, college acceptance. So that's, right. that's good. It, it, it went kind of exactly the way that I thought it was going to, but it's still a pretty big relief to, to have it actually come in. Right. And, well, uh, you know, the kid was happy. Uh, so that, that's nice. And, uh, you know, now we just got to get through the rest of the senior year, right? I, yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was a part of me that was like, shut it down. Like, we're, yeah. we're fine. Just, you know, do whatever you want over the next few months and and then we'll get you out yeah. of here. As long as he doesn't flunk out, you know, if he just like treads water and gets through the rest of the year, they'll still take him yeah. in college. Yeah, it'll be fine. But that's great news. Good, good, good. So your last one out the door. Last one. Then I'll be in, uh, in your situation. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no kids to... Well. Nope. running around the place well, they come, mine come home you know my my youngest especially she doesn't go to college too far away so she she visits a lot but she's still kind of out of the nest so yeah um, yeah anyway so um so i'm excited about today's volley yeah me too you mentioned it was fall which can only mean yes. one thing it's time for our annual volley days episode we do this every year and we have our very favorite guest randy gross who is the chief information security officer at comptia Randy, it's lovely to see you again. It's lovely to be here again. Um, I'm wearing black, though. It's, you know, fall, sad. I mean, I actually have had the best weather in my life for the last two months, so I can't really complain. Um, but yeah, no, glad to be here with you guys. And uh, I'm glad that no one has to ask you anymore about where college is going to be without having an answer. I hate that question as much as anything in the world. So now you can just say it's here. Don't ask me again. Yeah, yeah, we, we've got an answer. Um, looks like we're choosing the more expensive option um, that the, the kid is. But, to go know, that way. It's fine, you know. I mean, hey, you know, I'll pay. I'll pay whatever it takes to, <laughs> to do this. So. I'll pay you to leave. Uh, okay. <laughs> But uh, yeah, for anyone that isn't familiar with this episode, you know, we've got holidays coming up uh, here in the US. And, and so we like to take a look at the technology landscape and talk about one thing that we find a little frightening, one thing that we're thankful for, and one thing on our wish list. And I believe to kick things off, Randy, we're going to start with you with the frightening thing. That's right. Um, I, I did. I wore black just intentionally today for the the somber mood I can take. You know, I think there's there's two kinds of fear. There's the uncertainty is, is attached to both, but there's the Scooby Doo kind of fear, and then there's maybe the hor the horror movie kind of fear. Um, Scooby Doo is all you always know. There will be a catharsis that you know is old Farmer Johnson or whatever, and then there's the the other ones where you walk out of the movies and you feel dirty for a couple of days. So I think I want to talk about the latter, unfortunately, because <laughs> As, you, as we've seen probably in the last year, maybe the last couple of years, the ebb and flow, particularly for me for zero day exploits um, in consumer platforms, specifically on the mobile side of things, 
um, is starting to point toward where that mo mobile ecosystem that has largely remained unscathed in a lot of cases is going to start having some significant impacts. And, I, and not trying to see the future, but just looking at the trend, it's hard to believe that something substantial won't come out of that. Um, it, you know, it, and it, it doesn't matter which which OS you're talking about. I think in general, the complexity of those applications, those operating systems, um, the interplay with all the databases around the world they have to talk to, and all the API, on and on and on. Those are the topics that I think are gonna that that are really gonna bug us because we don't have the greatest solutions for them just yet. That's interesting because I am shocked, frankly, that. Um, mobile devices, phones in particular, have not caused a cataclysmic nightmare in terms of cybersecurity to this point. And maybe I'm, I'm ignorant and they have, and they've just been kept well covered, but um, it's interesting to hear you say that because it seems to me like that that is the wild west of uncontrolled stuff going on. And uh, you are uh, unfortunately uh, uh, confirming my suspicions that that would be an area that we really are uh, worried about. I feel like cybersecurity in general has just really like become um, so much more uh, publicized these days. Um, and yet we don't really kind of narrow it down to how specific the little devices in our hands um, could potentially rock the rock the cybersecurity space that we all live in and try to live safely in. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing, Randy, that like you're seeing a lot of activities start to pick up because uh, the, the cyber criminals are starting to view this as a platform that they can finally really make some ground in where they've been probably picking a lot of low hanging fruit in other platforms for a while. Like a lot of the things that they have done historically continue to work because companies aren't putting up their defenses or individuals might not be putting up their defenses. But as that starts to get built up, then this is becoming uh, a platform that's of more interest to them. And, and I think the, the danger here, if that's the case is that lag that we've had while cyber criminals have been, you know, still picking the low hanging fruit from other avenues has probably lulled a lot of people into a false sense of security, right? And, and thinking that like, oh, well, you know, I've had my phone or my device or whatever for a long time now, and I've been doing these practices and everything has been fine, but now we've kind of built up this uh, layer of bad practices and it's it's made the, the landscape that much more ripe for you know hackers or whoever to kind of jump in and exploit. Hundred percent, and, and and really, it's it's how security in general works. You go to the you know go to where the water is the lowest; it just flows downhill. So where's the easiest place to get in? And it's it ebbs and flows. And so you're right. I think a lot of the hardening that's happening with the with the large caveats of some of the massive breaches that have happened in the last several months, um, even some of those are it's largely social engineering. Um, is how people get get in initially. And so if they're able to figure out a way to compromise a phone or MFA access or anything along those lines, I feel like that's the biggest bang for the buck because it sits outside any really, there, there's absolutely containerized solutions for phones and, and, and plenty of things you can do, but it sits out far enough outside as an endpoint that it doesn't have the same attention as, as some of the you know the typical laptop protection that we do now or servers or networks or anything along those lines. So yeah, it's a it's a it, it's something that's conceptual still, but I think with all the exploits that have come out over the last, even look past the last three four months, it's 
you know, you see if, if five have come out in the last three months, there's probably going to be another five that come out in the next three. And it's, you know, kind of goes like that. So. Yeah. Is it, is it changing the way that you're thinking about the upcoming year and whatever policies, you know, you, you might put in place for people using mobile devices? Yeah, it is actually, it, it we've got, we've gotten some guidance from a number of different areas at really, really smart folks and strategic levels that have said like, there's ways that you can continue to mitigate this. And it's, and it's iterative. A lot of the cases, like there's plenty of solutions where you can, that I think in higher regulation environments that are handled completely separately, but for the majority of customers, majority of users, we don't have to operate in that regime. But I think, yes, there's, there's additional um, layers of, of defense that we, that can be added and we're going to have to continue doing that. So yeah, we've, we've changed that probably over the last uh, nine months or so. Always a moving target. You never get to rest, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's actually it's it's been encouraging over the last year as well. I, and you know what? I can't talk about encouraging. I'm supposed to talk about evil things. I'm not gonna I'm not falling for your your tricks here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh I, I think that definitely is something to give us pause. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that we're gonna get to next June and uh anyone's gonna say, Well, I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids. <laughs> We've got some serious issues that are that are coming down the pipe here. But as you say, it's time for us to move on to slightly happier things. Uh, and I, so I think with that, Carolyn, we're turning it over to you for something to be thankful for. Something to be thankful for. All right. Given world events, I struggle a little bit with this because there are on the human level and geopolitical level right now, there's not a lot to be cheerful about um, as we look at what's going on in the world stage. But I tried to set that aside. I just thought I'd give it a little note um, here and think about something going on with technology that I think we have to be thankful for. And um, I'm going to talk about AI, which is uh, you can it's a controversial. You could say you could be either thankful for its uh, its um, explosion on the generative AI side, I should say. Uh, or a little bit nervous. And what I'm thankful for is we will, can all agree that the hype's been insane, right? And I think it's been very real and very furious among not just technology people, but pretty much everybody out there, any student, anyone who's heard of ChatGPT, you name it. But what I find to be thankful about um, is that I'm actually seeing some cooler heads prevail. Um, I'm seeing some deliberation around generative AI and its use in the workplace and its use in its use in academia and its use in government. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, among the uh, type of companies that we deal with at CompTIA, some, you know, some serious deliberation around how they use it, um, using it internally as opposed to exposing it to their customers immediately. Uh, I'm seeing, I recently did an event, um, our event in uh, in London, and I had a fireside chat with um, a professor at King's College in London, who also is um, one of the directors at a think tank in the UK that is devoted exclusively to how to develop and use generative AI uh, responsibly. That's their word for it. And they work with companies and, and academics and researchers and try to all sort of like put their heads together about how to do this well, because their conclusion is that this wave is here, it's going to happen. Um, there is no way that we can kind of ignore it. And I think that's another thing to be thankful for is that you, we don't have too many people who just stick their head in the sand because that's going to be a mistake. But they're really looking at ways to do this in a responsible manner. And I'm hoping what I'm seeing, and I'm trying to be optimistic here, with people that are taking a good um, a good view of this in terms of the impact that it could potentially have and not just running away with all the cool capabilities um, that we may hopefully 
um, see positives, more positives from the uh, from AI than we do negatives. So that's what I'm positive. I'm thankful for is some uh, some cooler heads, shall I say? Agree? Disagree? Yes, agree. I will agree with you. I I think there's there's balance. What I what I've been looking for is balance on both sides of it. I think it's really easy to bash on things. Um, and say this is the negative, negative, negative. When I'll put my hand up, the rest of us are out there trying to figure out how to make the things work well for business and realizing that there are implications that we are all going to have to work on and not just saying, you know, you know, don't do it. I, I think there's there's a lot of different avenues and it's, it, it's going to take a lot of smart people quite some time to figure out how we can, I don't know, steer, steer things the way that we want them to go. But yeah, I, I think it's, it has calmed down that hype cycle early in the year. I've never seen anything like in my life. That was amazing. Um, it was exhausting yeah. too, but it was cool. Yeah. I, I think we're going to be talking more about how the hype cycle cools down as we get into some of our predictions for next year. Yeah. And I think part of that cooling, you know, comes from taking it out of some of the examples that we see, you know, some of the generative AI tools that are out there that have kind of made the news and starting to work it more and more into products people are using. You know, so we talked about this in cybersecurity that uh, AI is probably not going to be by itself a new tool in the toolbox. Cybersecurity professionals are already using things like DLP and IAM and SIM and a host of other things. And AI is going to find its way into each of those. And, and I think as that happens across the board, there's going to be a little bit more of, you know, a cooling process. And I think you will have some of those cooler heads prevailing uh, as they're working it into product and kind of working through the issues that go into making it products and making it fit within workflow. And I, I think just the fact that we're all very aware of the ways that technology can go wrong or what the unintended consequences might be, not just from AI, but I think we've seen this over the past decade with social media and cloud computing and things like that, where these ripple effects that are happening. Um, and, and I think that awareness will hopefully go a long way too. Um, yeah. It definitely does feel like a, a more promising point to be at right now, where we can really evaluate the benefits that might come along with some of the costs and the challenges, uh, rather than just getting sucked into the hype like it was at the beginning of the year, like Randy was saying. Yeah, you mentioned social media, and I think um, the one thing, one of the things I am encouraged about is that we've learned some lessons from the unintended consequences of social media. We haven't been able to reverse them necessarily, but this time around, with some the, the, with AI and and its you know its hype cycle and its newness and its uh, you know in terms of the generative um, large language uh, iteration of it. We, I think, as a society, even are realizing, you know, don't go completely gangbusters and crazy like we did with social media because there are these unintended consequences. So, while I think it's fantastic that we are exploring all opportunities, I think there are going to be amazing ways to monetize AI, and I think we're going to all be able to, you know, make some sort of money off it in the business world. I think it will help in in other areas as well. But the fact that there's a little bit of a break being tapped, um, so that we don't end up down the road of, of doing this like reverse engineering of what a bad job we did in, of predicting some of the, uh, the the negative consequences that we might have seen with something like social media, which we've talked about Seth on Bali before, or even cloud computing out of the gate. You know, it was like run real fast and then everybody kind of take three steps back when they realize they ran too fast in the first place. So hopefully 
um, it all works out in that in that we uh, can move forward and progress and succeed with AI, but also do it in a kind of a hopefully rational manner. Yeah. Well, I think that leaves it to me to bring us home with something on my wish list. And the item that I came up with, I'll have to admit, is maybe just a tiny bit self-serving, both from an organizational perspective and from a personal perspective of the things that I've been working on. But as I look out at the technology landscape and especially the technology workforce, one thing that I feel like I'm wishing for in 2024 is that we make a pretty significant step forward when it comes to skills-based uh, career activity at organizations. We've already talked a lot about skills-based hiring and how that is kind of opening more doors for people that don't just have to follow a traditional four-year degree or whatever that might be. Uh, and I think that's going to start to move into skills-based career development. But I think the challenge is we know that there are a lot of really large organizations that have kind of built their whole skills library or skills taxonomy. Uh, and they're able to kind of uh, manage this across their workforce. But the step forward that I'm looking for is to get to that next layer of businesses. So smaller, medium-sized businesses that don't really have the wherewithal to kind of build out their own skills understanding. And they have to leverage taxonomies or something that might come from uh, a third party. And there are plenty of those out there. You know, we're, we're working in the same space, obviously. Uh, and you need a lot of collaboration and consensus to, to make this work, because if you're trying to hire somebody, then you need to be hiring somebody that has the skills that are being trained by some kind of edu educational institution or boot camp or whatever it might be. And everyone has to be on the same page there. I think a lot of the problems that I see companies struggling with in the workforce can be resolved by a skills-based approach. But there's a lot of work that has to get done to build that foundation so that a skills-based approach can really work. So I'm hoping that we might get to a tipping point and we really make a lot of progress on that and we get a lot of people on the same page. I was in an uh, advisory meeting for Pikes Peak State College, which is the community college system here in Colorado Springs. And we were talking through their associate's programs, their bachelor's programs, um, and they had a number of folks on from industry. Um, and basically they kept coming back to it. We'll make sure you have the certs, 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 which are demonstrating that, you know, skill that you have, which I thought was really interesting. It's not to, it's not to take away from the curriculum that was being developed either, because it was actually it was extensive. And if someone had gone through that curriculum, in addition to having the certs, I mean, my gosh, coming out of school, would that be amazing? However, the fact that the industry continues to focus on that, at least in this, this was more of a cyber and comp sci side of things. Um, that there are subsets that are using the search as a proxy for that, which, you know, is, is self-serving for CompTIA as well. However, it is the way I think the world is going. And, and, and especially in technology fields, you have to be able to show you know what you're doing. Um, and if you can do that, you are, you're just going to be, have a, a much more fulfilling career a lot earlier in your career. Well, early in my career, I'll give an example. Um, when I was a journalist and writing for newspapers, um, when I went to interview, now I had a good pedigree. I've got a journalism degree, I got a master's in journalism, yada, yada, yada. It looks good on paper. But I went to my first big city newspaper and applied. And um, and this is, you know, this is goes back, goes back quite a few years. Um, you know, all well and good. I got the interview, but I didn't get the job until I took a test. And the test was writing on deadline. 
And that's what that's the skill for journalism in the day. It was daily newspaper. You you know, so it was they gave you a certain set of facts. It was like you were covering an event or a meeting and gave you 45 minutes. You had to write a, a story of a certain length and it had to be good. And if you failed that test, no matter what was on the resume, it really wasn't going to matter because that was the skill set that they were looking for. And everybody applied for that job had to pass that test. Um, and, um, and, you know, I, I, I noted it at the time. I was like, you know, this is a really good way to get to know whether somebody isn't just academically good on paper, but they really understand what the skills and have them required for the job. And, you know, that's writing. And I can only imagine at the level of some of the technology jobs we're talking about here, um, it's even more important. Um, so, you know, that's just a little example from my world, but I, I, I see skills-based Hiring and then also skills-based advancement within the career is just like a very logical way to go. And I, I think that story, Carolyn, kind of highlights some of the challenges that are present with trying to move to this skills-based approach is if you can't just take, or if you're not going to just take a four-year degree as you know proof of competency, but you want to dig in a little bit more, what exactly does that look like? What does that look like for the interview process? And then once you bring somebody in, how are they evaluated? And do you have training set up uh, for them to jump into to fill in what other whatever gaps there might be in some of their skills? And that training could obviously be extended to uh, people that are already within the organization uh, for upskilling or reskilling or whatever it might be. So there's a lot of work to do here, but I think one of the things that excites me the most is the number of possibilities that it would open up to really move to a skills-based approach. We talk a lot about companies maybe dropping that four-year requirement. And I think when we talk about it here on the podcast or in our research, we try to highlight that they're not saying we don't ever want to see that. They're, they're saying that's not the only thing that we want to see. And I, I think that a skills-based approach really opens up possibilities for a four-year degree to work or a boot camp to work or certifications to work or any combination of these things to work. And then there's a whole ecosystem of things that can be added on for portability of skills. Like Randy, you and I were working a little bit about a year ago with uh, groups that were looking at building digital wallets so that individuals could kind of carry their credentials with them wherever they go. And I think there's a lot of really interesting possibilities there. One of the things that you and I pointed out at that time was to get to that point where that technology is worthwhile, we still need consensus that these certifications or credentials or whatever they are actually do validate the skills. Because right now we, we run into a lot of places where we don't have that consensus. They're looking for the skills and we say, you know, we might have these certifications that validate the skills and there's just kind of a, an awareness gap there. So there's a lot of work to be done here, but I think there's so much potential. Yeah, agreed. I, I, there's, there's flavors on all of this. And, and I think, you know, again, in Colorado, there's a very strong military presence here. So the majority of our, of our business revenue, or I guess, yeah, employment is through a lot of the defense contractors as well as the military. They have very clear, well, it's not clear is the wrong word. They have a, clear taxonomy of what they want out of those jobs. And then if you actually dig into it, which Seth and I have also done, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And so like the notion that you have a monolith that is an organization like the Department of Defense, which it really isn't a monolith, but they've got these things to find out, but they, they've defined what works for them and they are absolutely skills-based. Can you do X, Y, Z? Can you do this? And I think that's, a, it's an interesting model. It's incredibly complicated because it kind of has to be, but I do think your initial points well made, like, look, for small businesses, this is a tough activity. So having a standard in place 
that allows them to, to sort of do that is good. I mean, we have the, you know, the job, the job uh, posting engine that we, that we rolled out last year, I think earlier this year, that allows people to just build off of, you know, what's typically out in the market and not have to think through it. And I think that can also help, you know, especially people in the same market, if they were both using it, it, it would be helpful. Well, that's probably a good place to land it. I think that's another mm -hmm. successful look at our three upcoming holidays through the filter of technology. So thanks to both of you for joining. I really enjoyed the conversation. This, you know, this is one of the episodes that's kind of the least planned. We know the, the general structure of it, but we never know what each other's going to talk about. So always that's fun good. to get into it. So thank you. It's and thanks as always to our producer, Andrew McMillan. And Carolyn, I will see you on the next episode. Sounds great.